Amen. Good morning, friends. It's good to worship with you and um, to, to be together as, as we worship God together. I want to give a, a special welcome to our WPS families out there. It's, it's such a joy to see you and, and hope you feel uh, uh, as, as you're welcome to join us any week for, for worship and be part of this faith community. If, if you don't have a church home, uh, we, we consider you part of our church family anyway, so we'd, we'd love for you to be part of our our uh, worship and fellowship here, uh, if you feel so led. Um, and, and next week is Palm Sunday and, and the beginning of Holy Week leading to Easter, so a wonderful time to um, get to know us and, and be part of our family of faith here. Uh, and, and also, as, as Mrs. Hamill uh, mentioned, uh, please don't feel bad if your little ones are, are wiggly and, and make a little noise or need to move around a little bit. Um, there, there's plenty of activities and stuff in the, the narthex that you're welcome to grab and bring in and um, activity stuff. So just do whatever you need to, to for, for you and your kid to feel comfortable. I'll give you a spoiler alert. Any noise or uh, thing that, that they do that you might feel is disruptive is holier than anything I'll say up here today and a better glimpse of, of God's love for us in Christ. So just want to extend that welcome and, and uh, make sure everyone feels, feels comfortable and at home here. Today we're continuing our Lenten series called Character and Calling, where instead of uh, giving something up for Lent, we're talking about things we can take on as we get closer to Jerusalem and to the cross for Holy Week. And we're following uh, some of Paul's uh, letters and writings to um, to think about some of these character traits that we want to pick up on our way to Jerusalem. And I'll be honest with you, today's trait is a tough one. And it's one that we like uh, to individually and as a society often avoid, and that is reconciliation. Uh, but it's one that God calls us to and one that we can do uh, with God's help together as, as a community. Friends, I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the fifth chapter of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, beginning with the 16th verse. Listen for God's word. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. <clears throat> It's, it's a joy to have, as I said, our, our preschool uh, parents with us today. And uh, as many of you know, I'm a fellow preschool parent. Um, and something I'm guessing that many of my fellow preschool parents have in common right now is that we have all been finding ourselves inundated with the new Disney film, Encanto. 
It has a wonderful message and a very catchy soundtrack that's been making history on uh, the music charts left and right. Now, this is particularly because of its most famous song. We don't talk about Bruno. Bruno. So, for copyright reasons and concerns of pure decency, I will spare you my own singing of the song. <laughs> but there's a reason that this song has found instant popularity. And not just because it's a catchy, brilliant song. It speaks to and about a deep human feeling. Bruno has become the black sheep of the Madrigal family. He's the estranged uncle of the protagonist, Mirabelle, shunned by the family after a number of times in which he used his gift of seeing the future uh, when it wasn't exactly welcome news. Of course, due to human nature, these stories about Bruno grow to mythic levels over time. And as a result, he becomes the scorn of the family Madrigal. He's out. He's gone. We don't want anything to do with him. We don't talk about Bruno. Very good. Like I said, the song became popular for more reasons than simply its catchy tune. It speaks to it and strikes a deep human chord of emotion. Many of us have a Bruno in our family with whom there's been a falling out, a loss of relationship, to whom we don't speak. Or perhaps we think of a friend or a neighbor to, we, to whom we no longer speak because of something that happened so long ago you can't even remember what it was. Broken relationships, disputes which lead to separation are such a common element of the human experience. Now eventually, Mirabel not only talks about Bruno, she speaks to him. I'm going to do my best to avoid any spoilers, but... Her finding Bruno is the first step of his reconciliation with his family. Broken relationships and people separated from one another is on Paul's mind as he addresses the Corinthians in our reading this morning. Paul has a long relationship with the Corinthian church. Our New Testament has the first and second letter to the, the Corinthians, of course, but scholars are all but certain there were more than two letters to the Corinthians. In fact, uh, 2 Corinthians, from which our, our letter comes today, is believed to be several letters that were later pieced together as one. Paul's tried to settle conflicts in this community before. He tried to address the conflict between rich and poor and their practices of celebrating communion together, and you can find that in 1 Corinthians. But here in our text, Paul seems to be addressing this common human experience of broken relationships in general. The way he addresses this human experience is through a fancy word, reconciliation. If you've never heard the word before or aren't sure what it means, you're in the right place. So what does Paul mean by this word? Scholar Lucy Hogan says that the Greek word used here, katalasso, is all about putting things together in the right order, putting things back the way they should be, restoring balance, restoring peace again in the world. So bringing things, or in this case, people together who were once separated, putting things back the way they should be. 
Paul reminds us that this is what God was ultimately up to in Christ, reconciling the world to God's self. Now, normally, we might think of the guilty party or the one who initially caused the separation in the first place to be the party accountable to make the first move of reconciliation. But in Christ, God makes the first move in reconciling with us when we were separated from God in sin. We're separated from God in relationship, and God takes the first step, makes the first move, reaching out to us in love. And that's what God does in Christ. This is the God that we know in Christ, friends, a God that doesn't give up on us no matter how lost we feel or how separated we are. Like a father running out to welcome a prodigal son home, God takes the first step always in making things right with us. Now, this is a wonderful message to be sure, but Paul goes on to say that God entrusts all of us with this message of reconciliation. We are to be ambassadors of Christ, bearing his ministry of reconciliation. In other words, living it out and doing it ourselves. We have to go and reconcile with others the way God has reconciled with us. Now, how can we do that when we live in such a broken and divided world? How do we do that in a world where we don't talk about Bruno is such a common human experience. I'm going to address that question in a second, but first I want to make a a note. So far, I've talked about separation on kind of a personal individual level, and that certainly is true, and that's, that's the kind of we don't talk about Bruno side of it. But there's also a deeper societal separation, and we know exactly what that feels like. Neighbors separated from one another, uh, whole communities separated from one another. And I think this is largely what Paul is concerned about. The personal side is important as well, but this, this bigger community-level separation is vital as well. So how, how does he go about this? What does Paul do to help us in this message? In my opinion, Paul does this a little bit out of order in our reading. At the end, as we've discussed, he says we've been reconciled with God through Christ, that we are to bear his ministry of reconciliation out in the world. But the key to how we do this is given at the beginning of the reading, and it concerns how we see each other, how we look at each other. Paul begins by saying we no longer regard anyone from a human point of view. That is because in Christ, everyone is a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. These are the exact words you heard me say from the baptismal font over here. And friends, let me tell you, the words matter. Through Christ, when we gather at this font, when we look at this font, when we are are reminded of our baptism, we're reminded that God doesn't see us for our faults, our brokenness, the ways we've fallen short. Through these waters, when God looks at us, God sees Christ. God sees the beloved child of God, created, made, loved. Through these waters, friends, we know that we are forgiven, that God has made things right with us. So in turn, when we see one another through these waters, we don't see the ways people have failed us, have fallen short, have have hurt our feelings, 
through these waters, when we look at one another, we are to see Christ through them. We are to see the fellow beloved child of God, the unique and wonderful creature God has made and loves no matter what. That's what this message of reconciliation looks like. In another letter, Paul will talk about in baptism, what happens is we put on the garment of Christ. I think that's a really helpful image for the world that we live in today that's so separated from one another. When we're baptized, when we are come together as, as children of God, we put on the garment of Christ. There are no longer any red or blue jerseys. There are no longer rich or poor garments. There are no longer garments separating people based on the color of their skin, the language they speak, the person they love. All of us put on the same garment of Christ. And it's through this lens that we see one another as beloved children of God, each created in God's image. And this is how we can reach out to one another in love and care. You know, I find it so fitting that we talk about reconciliation on WPS Sunday where we're celebrating the ministry of our preschool. As a parent and as well as the pastor who works at the preschool some, I am continually amazed not only by the curiosity and the wonder of the children, but the love and compassion we see from our teachers each and every day. One of the key things our preschool teachers show their students on a daily basis is how to work well together, how to solve conflicts, how to share and love each other as children of God, to love one another for exactly who God made them to be. In a nutshell, our preschool teachers are masters of reconciliation. I really should have let them handle the message today, and I guarantee you it would have been shorter funnier, and include zero nerdy Greek words. But in reflecting on our theme today and thinking about the wonderful ministry of our preschool, it hit me. Why is it that we focus so heavily on the necessary work of reconciliation with our young children? But by and large, as adults, we ignore it. Our preschool teachers would not let it slide for two students to dislike each other and want nothing to do with each other because one kid loves Paw Patrol and the other loves Peppa Pig. That would not fly. Yet as adults, we constantly separate ourselves based on ideological differences. Which candidate sign we have in our yard? Or more recently, based on different opinions of the pandemic, but the list could go on and on. We continue to separate ourselves. Robert Fulgham is the author of the wonderful book, All I Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, a very fitting book for our discussion today. But in this, he says, don't worry that children never listen to you. Worry that they're always watching you. I think that speaks volumes to this, this idea of reconciliation today. Our preschoolers and young children are taught and expected to live out this ministry of reconciliation while we adults constantly argue and divide and separate ourselves from each other. We simply do not practice what we preach. Friends, we can do better. We must do better. Christ calls us to the ministry of reconciliation, seeing each other not through our faults, our brokenness, the ways we failed each other, 
but to see Christ, to see the unique and wonderful child of God in one another. And our children, our preschool teachers can really help us live into this as a community, friends. As I said, friends, I know that we can do better. And the place that we are reminded of that every time is when we gather at our Lord's table. Because every time we gather here, we're reminded of our reconciliation with God through Christ as he feeds us at his table. And as we gather at this table and look around us, we see that we are all gathered together. We're not separated out in different interest groups and, and ideological differences. Christ gathers us all together in love to feed us at his table. The table is the place where we can look at each other and remember that we all have on the garment of Christ. So friends, with our young children as our guides, let us go and seek to live into the ministry of reconciliation to which we have been called. Seeing, loving, and beholding one another as unique and wonderful children of God. May it be so, friends, for us and for all. Amen.